upon this earth. I want to talk to you about it for a few moments. If you need the notes, they're on our app or the website. But open up your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 4, and thank you for all your prayers for my family as well. I'm a father of six, and I am honored to be their father. They'll be in our second service. When we look to the scriptures, we see that God puts a high priority upon fathers. We see that he chooses and uses fathers all throughout the Old Testament. We can think about Father Adam, the father of us all. That's why we believe in one race, the human race. There may be different cultures, and thank you, Autry, for that wonderful testimony. There may be different cultures, but there's only one race, the human race. Father Abraham comes after Adam, and he was used to start the Jewish culture. And the Jewish culture stood out from all the other cultures. And so unless you have Jewish descent, we owe the Jewish people a lot because of their heritage. And it's not because they did everything right. We learn a lot about their mistakes, but God chose them to be a special people. And because of Jesus, now we are grafted in to their nation. So if you're not Jewish, you're grafted in to their nation. We look at other fathers throughout the Bible and we see that God used David. David was a father, his son Solomon. We see that the kingship was oftentimes passed from father to son. We learn about Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. How many know fathers are important in the Bible? Uh, Jesus had a heavenly father, but he also had an earthly father. And we go throughout the scriptures and we see the priority. And yet the Bible tells us there'll be a time and I believe we're in those times, there will be a time when fathers would be scarce. This doesn't mean that biologically the action of a baby maker will be scarce. That's not what it says. There'll be baby making going on, but there'll be a deficit of fathers. How many know there's a difference between procreating and being a father? As they used to say, any teenager, any young adult can make a baby, but it takes a man to raise one. Read with me in Malachi chapter 4. It's the last book of the Old Testament, and it's the last verses. Start with me in verse 5. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers or parents to their children and the hearts of the fathers to their children. And I will do this, God says, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, just a quick note right here, if you're using a modern translation, as I often do, it will say parents instead of father because they're trying to smuggle in the role of both parents. And there's enough scriptures for mothers in the Bible that we don't need to do that. The literal translation there of the word is Ab, where we get Abba from. It is literally father. We know Mother's Day has already passed and go back and listen to our message for that. But it should say fathers. That's why I'm using the classic version of the King James Now, we know that part of this prophecy has already been fulfilled, that Elijah in the spirit, or rather John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah came before Jesus' first coming. But how many know oftentimes when we look at scriptures, we see a a condensing of the first and the second coming? 
In other words, you'll see Jesus come in a certain passage, and then you'll see him judge in that same passage. But we know that there's been a 2,000-year gap for between when he's come and when he judges. That's one of the reasons why the Jewish people did not see Jesus as the Messiah, because he wasn't judging. He wasn't condemning. He wasn't setting the world on fire. And how many are happy Jesus didn't do that 2,000 years ago? Because our people all would have been judged. All of Rome, my people, Italy would have been judged. All the nations of, uh, uh, you know, the Scandinavian people, my Polish side, all would have been judged. See, Jesus came to fulfill the Jewish scriptures, but then to open the door to all the other cultures so that we could come in, so that the nations could come in. And he's allowed 2,000 years of history for us to be grafted in. So, so I'm thankful for that. But notice that same concept here. Elijah's going to come before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Well, we know that's John the Baptist. Jesus says that was John the Baptist because they asked him, what about Elijah? If, the, if you're the Messiah, Jesus, what about Elijah? He's supposed to come. And he said he already has come. How many remember that passage in the New Testament? But notice right there, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, did we ever see that in Jesus's earthly ministry? Did we see a dreadful day? No, I mean, Christ was crucified, buried, and rose again. But that's not the dreadful day of the Lord, which the prophets have always been talking about. Remember, this is the last book of the Old Testament. The prophets had been very clear that the great and dreadful day of the Lord is a day of judgment. It's a day of separating the sheep from the goats. It's a day where Christ, the Messiah as king, rules and reigns the earth. And the enemies of God are literally trampled under his feet like grapes. And the Bible says that the blood flows as high as a horse's head for over a hundred miles. That's the dreadful day of the Lord. So somewhere in between the coming of Elijah and the dreadful day of the Lord is where we are now. Can I hear an amen? Amen. See, Elijah has come, the Messiah has come, but the great and dreadful day of the Lord has not come. So this is the place we're at. And if you want to understand it more fully, look at Peter's first sermon of the church on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter two. He says, in the last days, quoting from the prophet Joel, he says, I will pour out my spirit. So we are in these last days waiting for what? The last day, the dreadful day of the Lord. How many believe that? So in the day you're living in is what this is speaking about. Go to verse 6 again. In this day, in the day before the great terrible day of the Lord, there's going to be a turning of fathers to children and children back to fathers. What must happen first for there to be a turning and a returning to fatherhood and parenting? What must first happen? What is being presupposed in this passage? That fathers have turned away. Do you see that? If, if, if I say to you, I'm going to come back and visit you sometime, what is that presupposing? That I'm not living in your neighborhood anymore. That I'm not close to you anymore. If there's a prophecy that there is going to be a returning of some kind, it presupposes that there's been a departing already. So now I want you to... Use your imagination with me while we're in church, and I want you to think about all the media shots you've been seeing over the last couple of weeks of all the protests, of all the riots. Have you seen fathers out there? Come on, get woke. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, get woke. Have you seen fathers out there? No, mostly what do you see, young adults? You see a 
fatherless movement. You see, the young adults, if their fathers were to be out there, were to, you know, if you're 20 years old, your father's got to at least be 16, 17. So where's the 40-year-olds, the 50-year-olds? You don't see it when you look at what's going on in all of our different cultures right now. Is it not a departing of fathers from the family? Is not the LGBTQ movement a departing of fathers from the community? Is not the Black Lives Matter movement a movement based on getting fathers to depart the community, dismantling the family? You can look at their website. They want to disrupt the nuclear family. And so when you look at the cultural situations that we're in today, would it be wrong for us to say it's because the fathers are gone? Now, I think if we look at the problems we're facing today, whether it's in our sexuality, whether it's in the way we're treating our neighbor, whether it's in our politics, it's the result of a fatherless generation. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people making babies. There's a lot of people that have supposed children in their life, but they're not a father to them. Most, if not all, of our culture has lost the respect for what a godly father is. Even if they'll go as so far as to say, I still believe a father and a mother should raise a child and the father should be the head of the home and, and, and respect and honor the wife. We're not talking about abuse here, okay? If you are in that situation, talk to us. We'll always help you get out. But, but how many know people may get to the point where they can say, you know, follow us to this point and go, I, I agree. There should be fathers and mothers in the home. But, but what I disagree with is that fathers should lead their children to Christianity. Fathers shouldn't teach Christianity to the children because that's teaching them to hate other religions. See, they'll call us bigots when we say Jesus is the only way, even though we love our Muslim friends and Hindu friends. But they'll say if the father teaches their children that the gods of the nations are idols, then that's a bad father. So, so there may be some people who go with us so far and say, okay, we agree fathers need to be around their kids. But then they'll stop at being a godly father. And then there's even those who are supposed Christians who would say, we agree that Christianity should be taught in the home. But we should not expect our children to live as Christians. So if Jane now wants to be Johnny and Johnny wants to be Jane, the Christian thing to do, man, is to let it happen. Let them choose who they love. Don't stand strong against immorality and so forth. And once again, we're not talking about abusing children. I'm not talking about these videos they put out of supposed Christians beating their homosexual children. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying there's even a movement among Christians that in the name of love, the Father should not bear the authority of the Word of God. So let's put it together. Are we in a fatherless generation? Absolutely. And even among the rational, the supposed logical, they're still bucking up against this idea that fathers need to be fathers the way God said to be fathers. And yet Jesus said, track with me, because I believe God is the one speaking through Jesus to the prophets. He said that this would be a sign of the end times, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 
So God wants to turn fathers back to the children. And he wants the children to honor the fathers. But this is a choice that they must make of their own free will. Because if they don't do it, there comes right here the ultimatum. If you don't do this, I'm going to smite the earth with a curse. How many have already seen the earth smote with a curse? What is abortion? The curse of the fatherless. You see, because any father who wants a child wouldn't let that happen. And the men who wore those black robes and made that decision in 1970 would never have made that decision to allow abortion to be legal because they would have been fathers. You see, we're bearing a curse already. We're bearing the curses of fathers not taking their rightful place. This doesn't mean that mothers don't have a place. Of course they do. But if I was to stand before you today and to point my finger to one troublesome attribute of our culture in these last times and the reason why we see so much of a curse in our society, I would point you to Malachi and say that the hearts of fathers are away from their children. And the children now have no respect or honor for their fathers. You've seen the stats, but let's go through them quickly. Trust me, it's going to get good. Somebody say, hold on. Here's, here's some of the stats we already know. Please just scroll. Four times greater, if you're in a fatherless home, four times greater risk of poverty. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen if you're a young lady. More likely to have behavioral problems. More likely to face abuse and neglect. Two times greater of dying as a child. More likely to be on drugs and alcohol. More likely to go to prison, suffer obesity, commit crime, drop out of high school. How many know this is a fact? How many know us and President Obama can agree on this fact? How many know me and Louis Farrakhan can agree on this fact? How many know that this has been a fact for a long time? That right now they say roughly 24 million children are growing up without their fathers. And when we look at these movements that are destroying our nation, whether that comes from the, the BLM, the LGBTQ, and all the ones in between, we see fatherlessness, don't we? We see a curse. We see what happens when there's no leadership in the home. No leadership in the community. And so you're sitting here today with me, worshiping God our Father. And I want you now to pray that God our Father will raise up fathers. That in a fatherless generation, fathers will be raised up. And so if you're here today, and you're a woman, and let's start with a single young lady, that you today would only marry a man that wants to be a father. That you as a single young lady won't go after a guy because your sexual hormones are aroused or because you're looking for a good time. You will only use your sexuality in the context of marriage to have a family with a man you see as a father. Because if he can't do that, he shouldn't be in your life. Now, for all the young men, you should only see yourself and your sexuality through the lens of being a father. You shouldn't see it for any other reasons. Now, some may say, Pastor, I don't see my sexuality at all. I'm called to singleness. Well, God bless you as you're single for the rest of your life. Somebody wants to be a bachelor to the rapture, I heard. Okay, you can do that. That's amazing. Go and do that. But for those who see their sexuality as something relevant to their life that they want to use and operate in as a young man, you are to see yourself as a father. Why, don't, why shouldn't children have sex? 
because they can't be fathers. That's why God ordained marriage to be the foundation for sexual relationships and for the home to be where children are raised. So we've got it backwards if we're looking for sexual pleasure first. As young men are growing up, you're not supposed to look for sexual pleasure first. You are to look for family. And then those of us who are here who are married, we are to honor the role of a father if you are a man. Honor that role. And some of you might have been through divorces or you might have married into a family with a woman that was a single mom and had children that are not yours. All of us at the place we find ourselves in should be a father like God the Father. And all women who are married to these men should support them. Even if you know more about the Bible than them, even if you're stronger in your faith than them, be the cheerleader towards them and support them and let them shine. Let them be a leader to the family. Even if you know more, set them up for success so that they can be a great honor to the family and to the culture. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, that was the first message. I got a second message coming on. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Because I wanted to build it up today. See, fathers in the end times. Now that we're in the end times, it's, it's quite clear the dreadful day of the Lord hasn't come. What are we supposed to be aware of? Go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. I want to keep it on fathers, but now I want to broaden it a little bit. People ask Jesus, his disciples, when are you coming back? What are going to be the signs of your return? And Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and will deceive many. How many have already heard of false Christ in this generation? They're, they're all over the earth right now, false Christ, claiming to be Jesus. They've, they've taken upon themselves the role of Christ, and yet they are a false Christ, an antichrist. Verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. How many have heard about wars and rumors of wars? Whether our nation against China or other nations like North Korea versus South Korea or in different parts of the world in the Middle East, the, the wars and rumors of wars that they live with daily or now in India and other parts of the Southeast Asian continent that might be in conflict with each other. We've heard about those things, but keep going. Look at verse 7, and I put here the Greek word next to the English word so you could get it. It says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places, and all of these are just the beginning of the birth pain. Somebody say the beginning. Amen. So we don't have time today to get into all of the things of the end times, but notice that these we just read are the beginning of birth pains, and we are literally watching all of them, famines across the earth. While we stuff ourselves with so much food, overeat, and then overspend on our gym memberships to try to lose it, just with what we're losing and gaining, we could feed the rest of the world. But why is there famines? Because of corrupt governments, corrupt world leaders, and there's earthquakes continually happening in various places. We know all of this, but highlight that part just where it says nation against nation. Now track with me. In the end times, fatherlessness will be a problem. And if we don't deal with it, there'll be a curse upon the earth. And the Bible says that one of the signs of the end times is that ethnos, ethnic groups will fight and rise up against other ethnic groups. 
See, right now, we, we see it with the African-American rising up against the Anglo, even to the point where they're ignorantly tearing down civil rights leaders and civil war heroes because they don't even know their history. Yet, where is the anger towards the Ivory Coast where all of the Africans traded their own people into slavery? Where is all the anger towards the Aztecs and the Mayans and the Incas who invaded and conquered all of Latin America? Where is the anger towards the Chinese dynasties that invaded all of those villages and those people? Where is the anger towards the Japanese? Where is the anger towards the caste system that existed even to this, even exists to this day in India? Where's all the anger of the Arab slave trade that existed before the Western slave trade and still exists to this day in places like Dofar, Sudan, and Libya? You see, it's selective outrage, isn't it? But it works for the devil's cause. He found a nerve in our nation where it can be destroyed because united we stand, divided we fall. Now track with me here. If a sign of the end time is ethnic groups rising up against ethnic groups, and it's also a sign that there will be fatherlessness, let's put it together and see if we can get the tactic of the enemy and possibly thwart his plans. See, God wants to raise up fathers of nations. Oh, come on, somebody, get this. God wants fathers in the Latino community to rise up and be leaders to their nation. God wants fathers to rise up in the African-American community and be a father to their ethnos, to their nation. God wants to raise up Anglo men to be fathers to the nation. What you and I are responsible, Father, what you and I are responsible for, Father, is not just our family but for a nation. <laughs> I said all that I've been saying to get to this point right now. Some of y'all getting it. Others of you just want to get to the barbecue, but listen to me. Listen to me. God is wanting to rise up fathers of nations. God wants me to be a father to my nation and not just the people who consider me a part of their nation because I'm mixed in so many ways, right? But a father to the fatherless where others have abandoned their post. God wants me to be a father to them, whether they look like me or not or share the same DNA as me. And God is calling the men of this church to be fathers to those on the streets, to be fathers to those in those neighborhoods that we're afraid to walk in, to be fathers to the elders. LGBTQ community to be fathers to nations who will be a father to a nation today who will see God in them as a father and let the father of all fathers lead them to a nation that's why when we look across our troubles today it's mostly the fatherless and these young adults I want to go out to the Planned Parenthood and be a father to the, to the single mom there that says the baby daddy left me. As, as a matter of fact, he told me if I don't get an abortion, he's going to try to kill me and the baby. I want to be out there and I want to be a father to that baby. 
I want to adopt that baby. I want to bring that baby home. I want to be a father to the teenagers out here in the high schools. I miss being out there so bad to stand out there in front of their high school and say, we'll be a father where your father left you. We'll be an example where they were a bad example. We'll love you where they didn't love you. We'll be a father to you in the name of Jesus. Fathers, we have a great responsibility. It's not too late. The great and dreadful day of the Lord has not come. There's a promise. There's a promise that God will bless the earth because he says, if we don't do this, he'll smite the earth. And we know that that's coming for a lot anyways. That's inevitable, but there's a blessing to be had before that day. Yes, there's a day of Armageddon, but let not our neighbors be there on that day. Let us fight for the souls of this generation. Let us be fathers to the fatherless by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Lord, would you help us be fathers today? Come on. I know you're just standing up, but would you bless the Lord today? Fathers, rise up in Jesus' name. Band and altar workers, would you come? We're going to call up altar workers today, even though we do COVID uh, social distancing. I do want to make a little bit of time for prayer. If you feel comfortable to come, they'll wear a mask. They'll, they'll keep a distance from you. But first and foremost, would you pray with me right now if you don't know Jesus? Those who do know Jesus, would you pray for those that are here today to know him? With every head bowed and eyes closed, Father, we ask for your children, if they've been lost, to come home today for there to be a rebirth of the Spirit right now. Some of you might say, I haven't been living for God. I haven't been doing what is right. I haven't been a child of God in that sense. Well, Jesus came to die on the cross for you and me because I wasn't always that way either. I wasn't always a child of God in that way. So if you're here today and you're not a child of God living for the Lord, born again in your spirit, would you pray right now to the Father? Say, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. Change my life. Send the Holy Spirit to come inside of me. Make me new. And you can become a real child of God, not just a product of his creation, because we all are God's creation. He's a father in that way to us. But he is not our father in the way it counts for eternity unless we are born again living for him. Those of you who have been born again, when was the last time you talked to the Father? How's your relationship been with Him? If you've been a Christian for a while, but you've been stagnant or you've been getting, you know, compromised in your faith, would you repent right now? Maybe you're a prodigal son. Would you come home to the Father? Start to live like the way you're supposed to live. Stop being rebellious. Stop being uh, a person with a bad attitude towards the things of God. Or maybe you've been dealing with fear, afraid to stand up for your Father. You know, this is the Father's business here. I love it when people say they support our church and all of those things, but my friends, this is not my business. This is the Father's business. So anyone that's ashamed of what we're doing are, are ashamed of the Father's business. If you've been in that category, just pray. Come on, many people praying right now to accept Christ, to live for Christ. One more before we go to the Father's, and then we'll do a time of worship and altar time. 
but one more. If you're here today and you would say, I, I'm a Christian, I'm doing all that I know to do, but I need the strength to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have spiritual gifts and insight and power. I just need more fire. I need more energy. Would you raise up your hands even now as the others are praying? I'm going to pray for a fresh fire on you, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Father has enough energy to give you to wage war and to stand your ground. If you're not uh, filled with the Holy Spirit in the, in the sense of speaking with other tongues, that just simply means that the Lord gives you languages you have not learned, languages of heaven. I pray those over you right now. Just pray them out if you hear them in your heart. You may not sound like anybody else, but the Lord may be giving you a spiritual gift right now to empower you. I pray for you to be baptized with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit already, maybe just encourage them by speaking in tongues right now, asking the Lord to fill you up, pouring on fresh gasoline. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray for fresh fire. In the name of Jesus, I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Languages of heaven, languages I have not learned. Some of you might say, well, pastor, don't you have to interpret it? Not when I'm praying it to Jesus, I don't. This is not a message for you. This is a, this is a way of building up my faith. This is a way of building up my spirit. Paul said when a person prays in the Holy Spirit, they pray to God. No one understands them. They utter mysteries in their spirit. A few moments right now, some of you need the Father's gift, the outpouring of the Spirit to face what's coming upon this generation. Jesus, fill us, fill us, empower us, fresh fire. If any of those things struck your heart, come on forward and let an altar worker pray with you. If you need that distance, they'll keep distance. We want to honor your, your safety zone. But right now, I'm going to start to pray for fathers. Lord, I pray for every father in this place right now. Come on to be a father of a nation. For them to be fathers of a nation in a generation. I pray for every father here in the name of Jesus to reach their culture, their community, and then to reach out to the other cultures and communities. I pray for fathers. I pray for fathers to return to the children and for children to return for the fathers. Some of you, your kids may not want to serve God, but there's somebody else's kid that does want to serve God. I'm praying for Holy Ghost connections. I'm praying for Holy Ghost connections. I'm praying for you to be used by God, men like you've never been used before. I'm praying for the gift of leadership to be brought to you. Everyone who comes to this church, I believe, is gifted to be a leader. You wouldn't be at this church if God didn't have a plan and a purpose for you. Come on, Father, start to think about some of the people you can reach out to. Start to think about them and pray for them right now. We pray for fathers to arise. We pray for children to be drawn into these fathers' lives. We pray for Holy Ghost connections. Hallelujah. We pray, God, you'll bless these men. Use them, Lord. Use them, Lord, so that you don't smite the earth. Pour out a blessing upon the fathers, oh God. Pour out a blessing upon them, Jesus. Fathers to nations, rise up. 